I don't need to talk about Michael Jordan today. Uh, LeBron James won the NBA title last night. Not Michael Jordan. The conversation should be about LeBron James, the LA Lakers, the Miami Heat, and... I'm ill. I'm ill. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you missed us. We missed y'all. The one thing you have not done is for for us, because I am the unforgettable one himself on this rainy Monday afternoon, which means you know Charles is always daydreaming. And these are just two guys that like to BS at work. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about. A king has been crowned once again. The Lakers won their 17th title last night. LeBron James won his fourth NBA ring and fourth finals MVP. Second only to, of course, Michael Jordan. Actually, it's him, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell, if I'm not mistaken, are the only four NBA players with four finals and four MVPs. No, 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 no. Four finals MVPs. It's only him and Jordan. Four finals MVPs, though. Yeah, yeah. So it's only him and Jordan. Bill Russell would have four, but they didn't have a finals MVP back then. So realistically, it's him, Jordan, and Bill Russell. But point of the matter is, you know, LeBron getting a fourth ring, which is a big deal because that pushes him into some really elite company. Now that he has more than three, uh, you you think of the Kobe's of the world, you think of the Michael Jordan's of the world, Bill Russell's of the world. I mean, that's really at this point all we need to do in terms of uh, who's the best of all time along with LeBron James. And in my and uh, only to Jordan. And I think that gap is a lot. And I think you agree with me because I think we've talked about this before. I think that gap's a lot closer than people give give LeBron credit for. People are acting as if there's like no chance in hell he'll ever catch Jordan as a GOAT. And people are acting as if like there's a whole galaxy in between the two. I had them very close before he won this title. I have them even closer now. Albeit, I said, and I think I've told you this before, if he wanted another ring, I have him as my GOAT. But I am taking a little bit off of this ring because of the whole bubble situation and the fact that it was a shooter's gym and the fact that there was no traveling and no home court advantage or any of that stuff. So, you know, you could argue whether that made it harder or easier. I'm going to split it in the middle and say it made it, you know, slightly easier. Uh, so therefore, I still have him at number two. But like I said, he, I think he's right behind Jordan. That's just me. That's just me. Get into that debate, you can. I'm just throwing my two cents out there on that. I don't need to talk about Michael Jordan today. Uh, LeBron James won the NBA title last night, not Michael Jordan. The conversation should be about LeBron James, the LA Lakers, the Miami Heat, and an actually very surprisingly good. NBA Finals, because I think most people thought it was going to be a sweep or a gentleman's sweep, and it was turned out to be a very entertaining six games, save for like the first two and the final game, because like you're alluding to, LeBron James and Anthony Davis took over these games and came out with a ring. Congratulations to Anthony Davis, congratulations to Dwight Howard, um, Jimmy Butler balled, I think he 
help solidify his legacy, whatever you want to consider his legacy to be at this moment. He definitely added on to it. But to go to your question about LeBron, where he ranks now, that's why I interrupted you and said those four names because they're the only players with four rings and four season MVPs. And that's amazing in itself. And a lot of people want to always talk about, oh, is he better than Jordan? Is he better than Jordan? I believe he's a greater player than Jordan. I just believe Michael Jordan, like they're two different players. LeBron is more magic. Jordan is Jordan. LeBron is not the killer Jordan is. And that's about the only real criticism in that comparison that I have towards LeBron. Michael Jordan had shooters for him that were clutch in other spots. Michael Jordan had great teammates. Michael Jordan had great competition. You can say the same against LeBron James. And I don't think that should be the narrative anymore because it just takes away from both of them because they're that different of players on the court, really. And this was kind of LeBron's, honestly, his magic ring. Like Magic Johnson, I mean. He plays like the point guard. He usually plays point guard. Me and you know that, but like... That he was really the Lakers point guard since he put on that jersey. And it's just really cool to win, to see LeBron win his fourth ring, to see the Lakers tie the Celtics for the most titles the same year we lost Kobe Bryant. So I don't think it means any less. I think the bubble was awesome. I actually think it was really good basketball. I understand the travel aspect is gone, the crowd aspect. That really sucks. I miss having that home field advantage, that home court advantage, I mean. But at the end of the day, I really enjoyed the NBA playoffs. I think a lot of NBA history happened over the last couple months, not even just on the court. We had a protest that me and you spoke about with the NBA. It's just crazy. And then out comes the LeBron James-led Los Angeles Lakers against his old team, the Miami Heat, that still got Spo, that still got Pat Riley. I enjoyed it, man. I really did. Like, I don't have any real criticisms. I, th- I thought it would be an over by now, and I got to watch two really good basketball games. And the, ironically, the Heat won. I had the Lakers winning, and the two games I probably liked the most were the Heat wins. Yeah, and you make a good point. This should be about LeBron, not Jordan. Um, I, I'm, I, I started off with that just to get that conversation out the way, because you know people are going to bring that up. Uh, and and you, you said something that I actually do want to harp on. Jimmy Butler, man, like, Jimmy Butler, like Kyrie, would probably well, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie, and Russell Westbrook are probably the three "quote unquote" most hated stars in the NBA in terms of the, the people that the media just deems as unculturable, uh, you know, non-winners, you know, great talents, but you wouldn't want them on your team. And with Jimmy Butler, uh, even I said, "Hey, I don't think Jimmy Butler's a problem, but perception is reality." And he's on his fourth team in four years. So it's one of those things that this doesn't work out, whether it's his fault or not, you can't blame anybody for pointing the finger at him. So I'm glad that in year one they went to the finals. I'm glad in year one that team embraced him. I'm glad in year one people looked at him and said, wait a minute, this dude is a, this dude is a baller. And we criticized him for you know basically having standards. I, thought, I just thought that was so weird that we criticized him for the same thing we praised guys like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan for having wives because he, because we think he's not as good as those guys. He can't have those same standards, which is work as hard as I do. Like, I, I, I always found that weird. Um, I, I always found like that was totally unfair to him. And so I'm very, very happy that he found a place that embraced him and loved him and, and shared those standards with him. And you saw it. 
you saw it. They fought hard. Even last night, I was proud of them. But when you're when you're that underdog team that has to outwork and out hustle and out fight everybody, there's going to be games where you get blown out because you just don't have it anything left in you. And I think after Game Five, you saw it. Like I mean, we all see the meme with Jimmy Butler, you know, curled over on, on the sideline. Like he was exhausted. That team was exhausted. That was an emotional mental and physical wear and tear on them and they had to fight for the two wins that they got and even then they could have lost both of those games and they had to play perfect basketball just to win those things so I wasn't the least bit surprised that they got blown out in game six but it's just you know a testament to him I'm very happy for him because as you know you know somebody that's been fighting to for the credibility and the respect that Kyrie deserves I feel for a guy like Jimmy Butler because he's in that same category of guys that get miscast as bad people when they're not bad people. You know I mean? Just because they do things a little bit differently than what you would do doesn't mean they're bad people, doesn't mean they don't care, doesn't mean that, you know, they're, they're people that you can't win with. No, you, you need people you need people that are going to ride or die with them. You know what I mean? Yo, I, I thought, you know, the person that fits into that description, too, is also Dwight Howard. He, he won a ring last night. And yeah, with that being him, said... He's got a Hall of Fame career. I don't care what anyone says. Look at his career. His... He had a Hall of Fame career before the ring. Let's just put that. Let's just say that right now. Oh well, yeah. Me and you agree on that. Me and you both believe he had a Hall of Fame career before the ring. The the years he gets criticized for, aka the Houston years, right? Not even the Lakers season, but prior to this one, his uh, run with the Rockets. He was one of the better players during those first playoff runs that James Harden gets credit for. He had great statistics. Him and he made. Uh, uh, what's his name? Josh uh, looked good. Oh yeah, Josh Smith. Josh Smith. He made Josh Smith look good. That with that front court, everyone forgets that run. He has great statistics in uh, Orlando with the Magic. He has that final run there, and now he has a ring as as the starting center of the Los Angeles Lakers. If that's not a redemption story in itself, I don't know what is. It's just crazy that all these different players were involved in an NBA Finals last night. And I have some fans, not saying you, but I mean, like, we both see fans on social media that are going to say, like, there's an asterisk next to this. I don't think there is. I watched real basketball this whole time. I get what you said about the travel. I get what you said about, you know, no fans and, and that part of the sport, too. But at, at the end of the day, both the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers were well coached and executed well. When, when they messed up, like, at the end of... um. Uh, game five when Morris just threw the fucking ball out of you know out of bounds like an idiot like everyone noticed how bad that was because overall the basketball was really good the refs fucking sucked but the basketball was really good when they were letting them play well and the funny thing is to me first of all the basketball was amazing but part of that from what I've been told it was literally a shooter gym with no fans with a black mask with a black background and stuff like that the depth perception wasn't a wasn't a factor in, you know, if you're any type of shooter, once you make one or two baskets, that whole that you know, you know, the whole saying of the basket looking like an ocean. So that was part of the reason why we saw such great games because people were shooting the lights out in that in that bubble. So for me, that's the only that's the only real asterisk I might put on it was the fact that it was a shooter's gym, and that's why we saw. I mean, remember the Phoenix Suns, which were like by far one of the worst teams in basketball, with eight and zero in the bubble, and were playing outstanding. Tyler Ham sandwich, bro. That, that, do you think that's real, or do you think that's just uh, bubble magic? I, I, I honestly think that's part of the bubble magic. Ooh, hot take. 
Hot take: Brett is back. No, and that's not, and that's no. I mean, obviously Devin Booker's a beast. He he can light it up from anywhere. But from what I from what I've been hearing from some of these players, like that that is a shooter's pair. It's an anti-Prudential Center. If you remember, a lot of people didn't like the Prudential Center because they said the depth perception was terrible in that building and it was hard to shoot. This was the exact opposite because the way that it's laid out, especially with no fans and the black background. You, the depth perception was perfect, and you could see the room clearly. And, it, you know, again, these are the best players in the world. You know what I mean? So it was like shooting practice for these guys out there. And you saw people making incredible shots, incredible runs. I mean, Dame Dollar was on fire. Uh, you know, Booker was on fire. Uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell was playing amazing. Jamal Murray uh, was playing amazing. And these are great players. So I'm not, to, I'm not trying to say that they wouldn't have been doing this anywhere else. But I think... Like I said, the only quote-unquote asterisk I would put on it is I don't know how many teams would have been playing this well for that long, for that stretch of a time in a regular environment. That's all I'm saying. I definitely think the Nuggets are a real team, but I understand what you said, what you mean about the Phoenix Suns. I definitely agree with you there that that seems to be bubble magic. I was just joking about Tyler Hero because – is he a player that's going to play like that from now on, or is that like Danny Green in the 2013 finals? You know what I mean? Like, is that just a really great playoff run, or is this a sustainable type of talent that we're going to see going forward? I think Eric Spolster is that good enough of a coach, so I wouldn't put it past him. And I definitely. Oh, I, think- oh, I, I, I didn't even hear you mention Tyler Hero. Um, with Tyler Hero, I, I'm, I'll put it to you this way: I hope it's not. I hope it's. Uh, Sustainable. I'll put it to you that way. Only because that's better for basketball when the Heat are good. And the Eastern Conference should be amazing next year. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that was, you know, his coming out party and not just, you know, bubble magic. I, I was more talking about the Suns. And let's be honest, even our Nets that played really well in the bubble, especially during those eight uh, playing games, uh, that was to me more bubble magic. Speaking of our Nets, um, our boy TLC got re-signed, so he's going to be back next season. This is the last time we spoke about our Nets, and I think that's a good sign. Me and you both like him. Well, that's cool. I mean, so yeah, I, uh, you know, just the biggest story of the day is just, you know, LeBron James getting his fourth ring. I'm happy for him. He said, give him some damn respect, and I hope people do it. I hope people don't try to denigrate his career, because it is my thing. Love him or hate him, I... One thing this year has taught me, especially with Kobe Bryant's passing, is be grateful. You know what I mean? Like we're seeing a living le- a living legend in his prime still playing. But let's not hate on it. Let's enjoy that moment, man, because we don't know when there's going to be another LeBron James. We really don't. Once he retires, I don't know. You know what I mean? And, and, and obviously, when Jordan was around, nobody thought that Kobe or LeBron would be as big as they were, but... You never know, man. Like we don't know, you know, seventeen more years from now, somebody else is coming up, and we're saying the same thing we're saying about LeBron James, as in, you know, this dude could be one of the goats. You know what I mean? Like, so let's let's just enjoy this, man. Let's just enjoy it. Let's let's you know, that bask in it, and let's give him his roses while he's still here and still balling and still dominating. With that, all that being said. Go next. Huh. And word up, bro, because when it comes to LeBron James, it's the longest sustained air quotes prime we've seen in a long time. This dude, the NBA title has gone through him pretty much every year since, what, 2009? 
with the exception of the uh, 2019 season, because the Lakers yeah. was that god awful. No, because he got hurt, and that's what I'm saying. It's it's one of those things like it, it's weird. The biggest criticism of LeBron is, oh, he has six losses in the finals, and it's like, yeah, but dude, what other player can you tell me is at this point, as since his prime started, it's like, yo, if he makes the playoffs, it's guaranteed he's going to the finals, guaranteed. You, you know what I mean? I don't even know another player that you can say that about. The only time he's missed the finals in the last 10 years was last year because he got hurt. And the late, and even then, the Lakers were the fourth seed in the Western Conference when he got hurt, and they wound up not even making the playoffs. So that just shows you that how good he is, that you can put him on any team, plug him in, and they're automatically at least a playoff team. You give him any other good player, they're automatically a, a finals contender. Like, like that's that's greatness. I don't care what anybody tells tells you. That is greatness. And like you said, it might not be the way Jordan does it, but that's greatness in and of itself. You don't have to be like Jordan to be the goat. Just because Jordan is the goat, I don't have to be a better version of Jordan to be the goat. I just got to be the best version of me to be the goat. And if my best version of me is better than the best version of Jordan, then that makes you the goat. Sorry. I don't know why people should say that. Like Pat Mahomes doesn't have doesn't play anything at all like Tom Brady. But if Pat Mahomes has a great career, people are going to say he's the goat because his game is totally different from Tom Brady's. So I don't I don't get that that aspect of well he's not Jordan. No no shit he's not Jordan. He's LeBron. <laughs> and give him some damn respect. Give him some damn respect. Speaking of respect, I have zero respect. For the Dallas Cowboys, I have zero respect for Jerry Jones. I know you are a Giants fan. I hate the Cowboys as much as anybody. But last night broke my heart watching Dak Prescott grabbing his leg while his ankle was pointed in the opposite direction, or his foot rather was pointed in the opposite direction. Because immediately I thought to myself, "Damn!" And there goes his contract. And for me, I know football is a business. But the way the Jones family has treated Dak Prescott when he has done everything they have asked him to do before this injury, he has never missed a game. Uh, He's always been a model citizen, never got in trouble, says the right things, does the right things. He's gotten better and better and better. Last year, he had a career year. He was on pace to have a career statistical year this year before he got hurt. First player ever to throw for 425-plus yards in three straight games. And all of a sudden, on a routine play, with a routine tackle that a guy just landed the wrong way on him, his season is over. And now there's questions about his future. And I, I, I don't know. I know you're. I know you're a Giants fan. I know you cannot stand the Cowboys, and I hate the Cowboys as much as anybody as well. But I'm sorry that I, I literally got really emotional watching that last night because that was. So sad to watch, to see him crying, to see the people cheering for him, screaming, I love you, his fist in the air, the whole nine yards. I mean, even even uh, one of the Joneses, their, their, wife, their wives are crying because that's how important he is to that franchise. And I don't understand if he's that important to that franchise, why didn't they take care of him earlier? Because it's a business. You said it already. And to the injury... To be positive about it, I don't think he's not going to be back in the NFL when he's healthy. He might not be a cowboy, but I also doubt that. I think he will be back. I think he'll be better than ever. It's it's a bad ankle injury, but Dak is a good guy. He's a good quarterback, and guys like that usually come back. I only cared 
in the sense of I don't want to see anybody hurt like that. I mean, after he losing his brother in the offseason, I just don't want him suffering from depression on a human level. Like, it's not his fault. Uh, I called them paper champions last week, and we would have been winning this game if they didn't, if the refs didn't help them take away two touchdowns from us for bullshit calls. So it wasn't like he was the reason they were winning this year. So from a football standpoint, I think it's kind of moot right now. From a human standpoint, I hope Jerry Jones takes care of him. I hope he gets money. I hope he gets healthy. It sucks, uh, but I, as you like, you keep saying I'm a Giants fan, so I watch the game from start to finish. And injuries happen in football. And it sucks that it's Dak Prescott, but I think a lot of the emotion is coming from he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, more so than he's a man that lost a couple family members recently, talked about mental health, and now he's going to be on his own while his team might be getting better as the weeks go on, might be getting worse, who knows. Like, I want to know, I just hope he's good through that because I think he will be back. I don't understand the conversation of, we might not never see him again. Based off what? Well, no, that, 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 no, I don't think. So, uh, and I've, I've talked about this recently, you know, before too. Because someone who's also suffering from anxiety and depression issues, I totally agree with you on that. Because all I can think, and I think that's where my mind went first, is like, yo, why is this happening to him? You know what I mean? Why? Like, he does everything right. He loses his brother. His team won't you know, budge on a contract. I know they tried to offer him something he wanted less years and they didn't want to do, give him less year, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the point of the matter is that's where my mind first went. Cause I know that's what I would be saying. Like, yo, why is this happening to me? Like, like what, you know what I mean? Like why, like, why? And, and this even, even something as weird as it was on CBS and Tony Romo is the one calling the game. You know what I mean? I, I just felt embarrassed for him in a way. Um, and it was just like, it's, it just sucks on a human level. Football-wise, I think he's going to be fine. I don't think there's any torn ligaments or anything. It's literally just a broken ankle. You know, he'll get surgery. He'll rehab. He'll be back, hopefully better than ever. Hopefully, Ben's, what injuries like that, you just hope about the mental part of the game. Like, is he going to be afraid of running again? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Because that's part of what makes him good is his ability to scramble. And a lot of times when you have those lower leg injuries like that, Sometimes it's a mental thing, like, yo, I'm, I'm afraid to take off. I'm afraid to get tackled. I'm afraid to do stuff like that. That's stuff I'm more worried about. Physically, he's going to be fine. Physically, right now, the reporting is a timetable is four to six months. So right. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll get paid. I can't imagine the Cowboys let him walk and then give the opportunity to another team, potentially even a rival team, to even steal him away. So I really don't understand... The, that point, and the props to the Cowboys fans last night, they, had, they gave him as much love as possible when he was getting carted off. Mm-hmm. But on the football side of it, my Giants were robbed of two touchdowns. I'm still salty about that. It was bullshit. Me too, because I have Evan Ingram on my fantasy team, and I really wanted that touchdown. I probably still am about to win this week, but the touchdown would have definitely helped out. Yeah, how bullshit were there? Those calls were such bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that... that no, the that, pass interference call was bullshit. Like, it, they they were on a three and four, I think it was, and the foul happened before the first down marker. So how was it even pass interference? And he was the one running the route. So how's it offensive pass interference to negate a touchdown? Oh, right. Oh, right. We're playing in Dallas. That's how. <laughs> Fuck the Cowboys. Well, look, I'll, I'll say this. Though. I was impressed by the Giants, man. Like, 
I know that defense. Yeah, of course you were impressed. We were supposed to be winning that fucking game. We were winning that fucking game. And every time we scored a fucking touchdown, we got a ticky-tack flag that negated it. And then when there's holding happening on, on the Cowboys' side, it doesn't fucking matter. My fucking oh, trust, de- oh, trust me, I, trust me. I was livid at the Steelers game yesterday because I felt like the Eagles offensive line was holding Bud Dupree. And you want to talk about fantasy? Sorry to cut you off. You said your team. Here, you want to know what talk about fantasy? I had Claypool on my bench this week. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's not like he's a. Oh, why didn't you play him? He's one of those wide right. receivers. Like, exactly. No, it's okay. I have Justin Jefferson on my bench the week he scored thirty. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting, man. Like the rest were pretty bad yesterday. Like I said, the Eagles. I we didn't play well, but at the same time, I feel like the rest kept the Eagles in that game because, like I said, there were so many bad calls. They took – Clay Shaper should have had five touchdowns. I, I thought that offensive pass interference was a bad call. Uh, they – like I said, they weren't calling anything on the on the Eagles' offensive line, which was ridiculous. Um, yeah, even, even – Real quick, uh, real quick, because there's a lot going on right now, and me and you could talk about our teams at nauseum, but I need to – really say this now because everyone listening knows I'm not the biggest Danny Dimes stan, but I'm also not the biggest hater of his. I'm not sold. I've been saying that since we've drafted him, but his fumbling problem is a real problem. It's annoying. His turnovers are bad. He has zero quarterback awareness. I don't know how to fix it, and if we keep sucking, how are we not going to consider taking another quarterback in this draft? Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you that. Let's say you guys do go 2-14, and 14, which right now looks like that's going to be the case. Would do you, if, let's say you have the number one pick in the draft. Do you take Trevor Lawrence? I, if it's me, hell yeah. I really do. If I, we have the number three pick in the draft, I, I take that kid, uh, what's his name, Fields? Justin Fields. See, but then I feel like Justin Fields another doing Haskins, bro. You know how I feel about Ohio State quarterbacks. <laughs> like, no, no, then, then who's the other one? The kid from, was it North Dakota? Yeah, North Dakota State. Okay, so you're going to have Carson Wentz Jr. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what do I have now? I have Eli Manning White. Jr., yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, here's the problem. I, I'm I'm a component of you draft a guy that early, you got to give him time. Unless, unless he's showing you that he really just cannot play in the league, I feel like you got to give him time before you move on from him. That's just me. Especially when you're a team like the Giants that has so many needs, why take a quarterback when you can maybe improve the team around the quarterback you have and maybe see if he's better? Because I've always, I've always, here's a good thing about football: if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to win games anyway. So my thing is build the team. If if two or three years from now it's it's apparent that Danny Dimes is not going to, it's still not good, you're still going to suck, and then you could take a quarterback. Then and, and see what you got. I, I I don't know if I take a quarterback yet because it's still too early. In terms of the fumbles, yeah, he's he's got to learn how to feel. From the, the times I've seen, it's all backside pressure, blind blindside pressure. He's got to be able to feel that rush coming and know. Hey, listen, I really need to make sure I'm holding the ball and protecting it in the pocket because people are going to swipe for the ball because they know I have a fumble issue. Dude, listen, I just bitched about the refs robbing 14 points from us, but we had a chance if Daniel Jones drove the ball down the field last night. 
Like a lot of that was on him. I get a lot of his, uh, a lot of Giants fans want to always make excuses and act like it's not on the young quarterback. Holding onto the ball too long is on the young quarterback. Oh yeah, I agree, but but it's also year two. That's that's my point. I don't I don't know, I don't know if it makes sense to waste a draft pick on another quarterback when you can use those top draft picks to build your team better. You know what I mean? Like get a get a great defense, get a better offensive alignment. Do you know do those things, and then see what you have in it. Well, and then that's what coaching for. You know what I mean? Like yo, I'm paying you to coach this kid up, coach him up, let him know he's got to get rid of the ball. You know what I mean? So I, that that's my thing. Like I said, if it's year three, year four, and there's still the fumbling problems, and you're not seeing him get any better, then guess what? That's going to cost you football games anyway. You're still going to probably have a high draft pick, and then you can get rid of him. But you, but you at least you know your, at least you will know that no, it's, the, it's definitely the quarterback. It's nothing else but the quarterback. We like our coach. We like our team. The quarterback is costing us games. Therefore, we need to move on from quarterback. That's just my philosophy. I don't know, man. I don't see that much growth from Daniel Jones yet. And in the background, as I'm speaking now, they're showing the highlights. They show that Dak Prescott, you know, Philly Philly type play they ran last night. Mm-hmm. The Giants' defense isn't good. This Cowboys team wasn't good. We had every opportunity to win the game, and we didn't. And then when Daniel Jones' number was called, and okay, this is your time, kid. This is time to make an impact. He he, he flopped. Like let's be real. If it wasn't my team, I'd be saying the same thing. This is your you have two minutes left. This is your game winning drive. This is what you're, you know. This is where you start building yourself. This is something to build on. Nothing. A wet fart. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I get you. I get you. He, he's definitely not. He's definitely. He's not screaming franchise quarterback right now. No, I get it. No, he's not. He, dude, he's barely screaming starting quarterback. It's really easy to have uh, plays that look awesome on third and long because you got sacked on the second down after holding on to it too long on the first down. Yeah, that's true. But what else What else is going on besides my dumpster fire Giants? All right, across the hallway, there's the dumpster fire Jets who still haven't fired Adam Gase, which I don't understand because as we talk right now, the Atlanta Falcons fired Quinn. I, I, I was just about to say there are now two two coaches that are fired, and and Adam Gase still has the job. That I don't understand. That I do not understand. And just to be clear, talking about how shitty the Giants are, I, I still think it's too early for any talks of Joe Judge on the hot seat type of shit. And don't get me wrong, Daniel Jones made some throws yesterday, but a couple of throws when. It's just like, oh shit! I need to make something happen, and you put up a, a prayer to uh, Slayton. That's not enough, man. That's just not enough. Mm-hmm. Well, damn! I don't, I don't think Joe Judge. Are people talking about that already? I haven't heard that yet. No, I'm just, I'm just clarifying, just because we kind of segued from the Giants to coaches on the hot seat. I just want to oh, make sure. Oh, I, was about, I was about to say, I think a lot of people have been praising Joe Judge because it looks like the team is playing hard. Um, but yeah, I, look, the Jets. The Jets also have a. I mean, we still don't know about Sam Darnold. And again, I, I when I was when I watched Sam Darnold play, I think, damn, you put a team around him, he might be pretty freaking good. They have done a terrible job of putting any type of team around him. His defense is losing players, not getting players. His offensive line might be just as bad as the Giants' offensive line, if not worse. And besides Le'Veon Bell, who's hurt, 
but you can't even name anybody. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can even name anybody who's a receiver for them or, or a playmaker for them. Robbie Anderson's not even there anymore. So I don't know what we expect this kid to do. Now, to your point, he also makes mistakes and makes decisions that make you say, you know, that make you slap your forehead if I'm a Jets fan. But at the same time, how much of that is on him or how much of that is him trying to make a play when there's not a play to be made because, again, the team's is god awful. Yeah. Team is god awful. And so I you know, both New York teams have decisions to make. They're both gonna have high draft picks. This is supposed to be another decent year for quarterback prospects, but I don't I, if I'm a GM, I don't know if I if I kick the wheels on my current quarterbacks here. I really think I use these high draft picks to build my team up and give and give these guys at least another year to see what they are. I, I think that's the problem. They're, they're, they're both in no man's land. We don't know if they're good. We don't know if they're not good yet. I get what you mean, especially with Sam Darnold more so than the other ones because Sam Darnold really has had no chance to grow mentally or on the field. It's just he's been stuck with Adam Gase in a, in a terrible offense. Devoid of weapons. is one weapon they let walk for no reason. So Jet fans are in pain more so than usual. I know they like to say same old Jets, same old Jets, same old Jets. But this is terrible. It's probably the worst situation in football. And that's coming from a Giants fan. And I understand how ironic that is. But Sam Darnold, if he can be moved for picks, I don't understand why the Jets wouldn't if they are lined up to get Trevor Lawrence. Because... Sam Darnold was never Trevor Lawrence in college, and Trevor Lawrence has a higher ceiling than Sam Darnold has right now. Uh, you're saying, so you're saying trade him, get some more first-round draft picks, and do what you got to do? Yeah, I, I would get rid of Adam Gase. If you guys like Joe Douglas, keep Joe Douglas. But if Joe Douglas thinks that trading a Sam Darnold to even – there was rumors already last night that a couple of my friends who are Jets fans sent me – about Sam Darnold being traded to Dallas. So I don't put it past anything that the Jets are putting out all these feelers about what can we get for Sam Darnold because rumor is they wouldn't get anything, they wouldn't get a first for him. They, they most likely get a second and a couple other things like in a package. So I wouldn't do it for that. But if you're lined up for the first overall pick and you can get multiple picks over multiple years, you need to rebuild this team. This is a terrible team. And, you, and the worst part is, there is no one player you're like, oh, well, keep them because they've wasted Le- Le'Veon Bell. They've wasted him. They don't even use him right. Adam Gase has done terrible. I think his record is 30 and 39, and like 30 of the losses have been by more than double digits points. Like, Yeah, I, I really, for the life of me, don't understand why they hired him, um, especially after they got Le'Veon Bell because that was the one thing he had was a reputation for not getting along with superstar players. So I really don't understand the life of me why they thought that was going to be a good fit. Le'Veon, that's, I mean, just to show you how stupid the Jets are, they've ruined Le'Veon's value to the point where they can't even trade him. I would, like, even if you wanted, I would agree with you, honestly. I would agree with you. It's like, you know what, let me pack his Darnold and and, and, and Le'Veon or trade them in two separate trades and see if I can get as many draft picks as I can but I don't know if you're going to get anything of value for either one of those dudes especially considering Le'Veon's contract so you would probably have to pack, package them together 
and give them to another team for something big. But then the question is, well, what team is that desperate for a quarterback and a running back that they're willing to take on Le'Veon's contract and give up a bunch of picks? Because if you need a quarterback and a running back that bad, you're probably a really bad team yourself, and you probably need all the draft picks you can get. So, like I said, there's not even a draft partner out there. I mean, a trade partner out there for them. If and this is completely random. I just thought of this. I, there's no prep in this question, but I just figured I'd ask because it's like we're in the middle of football season, right? And there's trade talks happening. What, what would you do if I'm the Jets, right? If I went to the L.A. Rams and said Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell for Goff and your first? They don't have a first. That's the problem. Okay, so Goff and whatever. <laughs> yeah, so, so here's the problem. So that's what I'm saying. The Texans, the Rams, all teams that might need at least Le'Veon, at least the, at least the Le'Veon part of this, right? All teams that could use at least Le'Veon don't have cash space and don't have draft picks. So now, and that's when anybody else that you could trade them to, or even the Cowboys, that trade doesn't make sense because the Cowboys are either going to win the division at 6-10 and 10, or they're going to lose the division at 6-10 and 10 and have a top-five draft pick. It's, and honestly, I, I think 6-10 and 10 is even a lot, too, too many wins. Like I, I honestly think y'all division is so daggone bad. Whoever wins that thing might be 5-11, and 11, or, or if the Eagles win it 5-10-1. But the point of the matter is, even a team like the Cowboys, why would you make that, why would you make that trade when you're going to have a top-10 pick yourself and you could just build your team through the draft with cheaper, younger players. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, the Jets are stuck with these players. I, I really don't see who they can trade him to. Uh, may, maybe the Steelers would trade for Le'Veon. Uh, as, you know, as as the contract has now been two years now, and they might look at his contract and say, "Okay, this is a little bit more valuable for us." But even then, I don't think you're on, I don't think you get anything better than the fourth round pick for him. Is that helping your team? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. This is such a. We said it last week. This is a cl- uh, clusterfuck of a season, and I have no idea what the fuck's going on. The Raiders beat the Chiefs at home and looked good doing it. Yeah, yeah. The Raiders also lost two in a row. I mean, that's a division game. I'm not. I'm not even going to like waste my time on that because the Chiefs look bored. The Chiefs look like they're just waiting for the playoffs at this point. And they've been kind of playing, you know, come from behind almost every game this year. Um, and this time it just didn't happen. They're still going to win like 12 games. They're still going to be a top two seed in the, in, the, in the conference. I'm not worried about that. I'm really not. I'm, I'm more interested in the Browns, actually, because they're finally starting to look like a good football team. There it is. There it is. I wanted you to bring it up. I wanted you to bring up Cleveland. I didn't want to do it. There no, we go. Listen, I show, like, I give respect and respect is due. I didn't want to say anything until they played the Colts because the Colts are a decent team. Uh, Phillip Rivers kind of came back to earth, down to earth last yesterday. But look, they play. They come into Pittsburgh this week, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's a that's a that's an important game. That's nerve wracking. We're four and zero. They're four and one. Um. Get your helmets ready. It's time to crack some skulls. Yeah, man. They, they won four straight ever, ever since that week one shellacking by Baltimore. They've won four straight. So I'm, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. 
We'll see. This is a litmus test for both teams, I believe, because the Steelers haven't really played anybody good yet, really. Um, they've beaten two of the NFC League teams, and they've beaten uh, the Texans that were under, you know, that just won their first game, and they've beaten I forgot who the fourth team was that we beat, but uh, they weren't that good either. So you know, it's it's all oh, the Broncos and Drew Lock and Drew Lock was hurt in the first quarter of that game. So as much, even though we're four and a week. Our defense has not looked as good as it has last year, which is scaring me. I don't know why that is. It's almost as if like they're taking their foot off the gas because they know they have a quarterback. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't like that at all. I really hope our defense gets back to, you know, obviously we're we're still one of the top teams in the league in sacks, and our front seven is pretty, our front uh, defensive line is pretty good, but. Our, you know, our secondary is looking suspect again, which was scares me because it looked like we finally picked that up. Making Fitzpatrick hasn't made a play all year yet, um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's it's interesting that uh, it's going to be interesting because that's a high powered, you know, Browns offense. And one thing I will say is, besides that Miles Sanders run, you know, seventy six yard scamper, we've been really good against the run this year. And the Browns have proven that their strategy is to run and use play action. So if we can stop the run and force Baker Mayfield to throw from the pocket and not be as good on play action, we'll see how good the Browns are because that's you know they're like the Rams. If the run game is there, their offense is unstoppable. If the run game's not there, Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield look like scrubs. So we'll see. That's going to be an interesting. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. But I got to give credit when credit's due. They're playing well. They're definitely playing well. Obviously, coaching was an issue from last season. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And I, and I think this team finally looked themselves in the mirror and be like, yo, we're better than this. Let's stop, let's stop looking at our roster and looking at the paper and saying, oh, we're going to win games. Like, that's not how you win games in the NFL. Everybody comes to play. The team that plays better is going to win the game. So I think they finally started to, like, play football and stop, and stop thinking that their credentials – we're going to win. When, as I said, yeah, the talent's there, but the credentials weren't. What the hell has any of those guys done on the NFL level? Even OBJ, you know, he was on a bad Giants team. Jarvis Landry was on a bad Miami team. And Baker Mayfield was a rookie. So, you know, what have any of them done to prove that they that they belong to be in the same conversation as some of the elite teams in the NFL? No, word up, especially the Browns. Because, yeah. like you said, none of them have done anything. And they were talking a lot of smack last year. Remember Baker Mayfield talked shit about the Giants selecting Daniel Jones. Like, who the fuck are you to talk shit? You, you literally haven't done anything. You're most known for commercials right now, bro. Like, chill. But with that being said, they've all looked better this year. The Browns are 4-1. Like, obviously they've looked better this year. Can it be sustained? Because, like, you know, they're Cleveland. They're the Cleveland Browns. If they start losing every single game, no one's going to be shocked. But I don't think they are. They really do look like they can contend in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I, I think, again, with them, I think they're like the Ravens, man. The Ravens have been, even though even though they're undefeated, or they're not undefeated, I'm sorry, even though they don't lost to the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson has looked good. Even yesterday against a really bad Bengals team, you know, they're run, uh, people are realizing you stop and run against some of these teams, you can beat them. And the good teams, 
are able to win even when the running game isn't there. And that's the thing about the Browns. Once the playoffs start and they play really good defensive teams and teams that know what to, how to beat them, we'll see. And, and that, again, that's assuming they make the playoffs. That's assuming it's, it's early. But that's what, I, that's what I still want to see from Baker Mayfield is, can you be good when the system isn't going well? If the run game isn't there, if you have to drop back 50 times a game and throw the ball, uh, accurately go through your progression, not make mistakes, not force the ball. Can you still be good, or do you still need bootlegs? Do you still need uh, play action to get wide open receivers for you? That's what we need to see from Baker Mayfield. So I'm not ready to crown him yet, but I am acknowledging that they're playing better football. Well, thank God, because it's not hard to play better football when you're playing terrible football, um, or it is, <laughs> as you know, New York can tell you. Right. What's going on with your uh, the other? team in your division the Bengals I think they have a quarterback so that's good to know he looked a little he looked a, he, he looked like a rookie for the first time yesterday he looked rattled against the Ravens but you know most rookie quarterbacks will look rattled against that Ravens defense but I think they got a guy man he, he, he looks the part he looks good he looks good their offense should be really good honestly their offense is scary and, and they will be scary going forward it looks rumor has that AJ Green was out of there I don't blame him. Again, I don't know at this stage of his career how much you're going to get for him. But, I mean, shoot. Shop around. There's teams that could use him. If you're the Jets, why not throw a fifth rounder for him? Like, what is better than anything you have on your team? Nah, for real. Like, the, the Jets are a team that could use him. The Giants are a team that could use him. I'm not even going to front. Like, I like the weapons Daniel Jones has, but they're, nobody's immovable right now. But right now, there's a lot of uncertainty in in the league just because the schedule, as of this recording, is screwy as all hell. Not only do I believe there's a game tonight, like a regularly scheduled Monday night game, if the, uh, there might be a double header today, there might be a game starting when this pod is going up. Honestly, there's they moved eight games, and I didn't pay attention to all of them. Else I would have talked about this, but there was supposed to be a double header, and there was supposed to be a game on Tuesday. I don't. I don't remember if that's still the case. There was supposed to be a game at 5. There was supposed to be the regular Monday night game. And there was supposed to be a game tomorrow at, at 7, which is Tuesday, at 7 o'clock. But I believe they moved a bunch of games to week 11. Well, shit. All that means and, is that me and you are going to have to do a couple more dope pods. That's just how the sport's going now? It's apparently like the NBA? There's going to be games every couple of days? Yeah. So I, I don't know what the heck's about to happen with all that. I know the char- I know one of the Chargers games got moved. I remember that. Anything so, else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, nah, man. It's, you know, like I said, big ups to the Lakers, LeBron, Dwight Howard, even J.R. Smith, Anthony Davis. Congratulations. Um, I know that was a Rondo got another one. Yeah, Rondo got another one. Uh, AD, we didn't really talk about him a lot. That was a, that, he took a chance too, man. He was in a bad situation. Oh, well, I, I figured me and you can go more in-depth with the AD on a completely separate pod because I really wanted to talk get to the football today for the time we had to record. So just for clarification, the reason why we kind of steered towards football so quickly on my end was because I figured me and you can touch on Anthony Davis and what his career looks like all on a separate pod altogether because I, I think he deserves a deeper dive than, you know, just maybe 15 minutes like we discussed the finals. 
And me and you have talked about LeBron and Michael Jordan before, and I'm sure because the way the world works, we will definitely do it again. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tell them where you're at. You can find me at Never For Brett Me. That's N-E-V-A underscore the number four, B-R-E-T-T underscore M-E on both Instagram and Twitter. Where can they find you at? I'm at Not The Chuck D on Twitter and Instagram. We're at the Dope Blog on Twitter, at the underscore Dope Blog on Instagram, and at the Dope Blog and Podcast on Facebook. And you can also find all of our podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. Rate and subscribe, yada, yada, yada. Thank you for all the support. More to come. Stay dope. I'm ill. I'm ill. Sicker than Average. Uh.